Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 332, BG Hotness for July 2021. we like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, everyone, we're back and we are back without our typical technical difficulties. So we will be back full form, full force, talking to you about the latest and the greatest in board gaming. So there's a lot to talk about, and obviously we want to cover board gaming and let you know about what you should be playing at the table and what will be upcoming. So Anthony, I know that you're in still process, you're moving out, we're doing a lot of things. Uh, the convention season's all kind of crazy. A lot of controversies out there in the world, uh, uh, you know, relate to board gaming. And honestly, I think just in a nutshell, I think we want to say be excellent to each other. I mean, isn't isn't that it? I mean, <laughs> please, yes, please. Let's let's you know let's let's do the right thing. I mean, like I I don't know how many different 
uh, quotes, phrases, <laughs> movies, and you know <laughs> things we want to kind of pull up. But there's a lot that's going out there, and let's just be excellent to each other, and let's do the right thing. And we all know what that is. And especially at the table, we want everyone there. So please think of everybody. Please include everyone, and please be safe out there because we are sincerely hoping to see you both all back at the table this upcoming convention season probably packs unplugged i I think is probably what we're shooting for but yeah be safe out there everybody so with that said anthony uh a lot of board gaming going on out there but in particular we want to talk about what our listeners are talking about what's our question of the week yeah let's dive into it uh yeah, I just want to second everything you said. It's been obviously a crazy long year and yeah. board games keep us going and being able to get out there and play them has been amazing. So as as we do every week, we throw it to the listeners. We ask them a question. They give us their answers. And often those answers are insightful. They're interesting. They're things that I would think of. And this week has been really good for that. So question of the week this week is, what is your prized board gaming possession? Something rare, out of print, the first game you bought, something you've painted or blinged out, or maybe something else entirely. So uh, it everybody has a different way of thinking about this. For some people, it's the most expensive game they own. For other people, it's something that means something dearly to them, historically. So it, it's really fun to read through these. So thank you to everybody who responded. Uh, first up, we have David, who says, very hard to narrow down to just one. Uh, He did finally track down a copy of a previous Grail game uh, in Battlestar Galactica. And while it doesn't get the table time it deserves, very glad to have it. This Mm -hmm. is one I wish I had bought because my game store here had a ton of copies when it went out of print and I just didn't buy it like a crazy person. So, meh. Uh, I actually picked up a copy of Battlestar Galactica when it was like randomly being thrown out of GameStop. And I was like, oh, really? oh I'll, I'll get a copy of this. I didn't get the expansions because GameStop didn't have the expansions, of course. But Battlestar Galactica is a great game. It's actually, yep. it's really underrated because I guess a lot of people did not play it because they weren't BSG fans. But it really is one right. of the most solid, you know, hidden player, mechanic, trader space odyssey i mean there's so many different mechanics and elements to (laughs) it it's such a really enjoyable game whether or not you're a balsar galactica fan or a sci-fi fan and ever since there's been a lot of games that have tried to mimic it and none of them have come close to it but again all the expansions made the game even better and that's again that's not just a grail game it's a grail collection i think at this point 100 percent. i wish i had it because we can see that Fantasy Flight is moving on from it. They're releasing yeah. Unfathomable sometime this year with the Arkham theme kind of layered on top of it. And I'm not interested at all in that game. I want Battlestar. Yeah. Uh, maybe someone getting rid of theirs will trade it in. I don't know. Uh, so other answers to this question. Lots of good ones here. Uh, Rob says The Adventurer's Pyramid of Horus. He painted all the minis to look like the character artwork in the rule book. Uh that's a, that's a cool game in general, and it's it's hard to find, but then painting all the minis on top of it, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Andrew says his complete collection of the deluxe copies of the Vital Lacerda games. I also have this, and I also love it. I was 
I've been packing games for the last couple of weeks. And that is one of the few boxes where I very carefully bubble wrapped everything inside. <laughs> like all the Lacerda games are very carefully packed. Yes. That is, those are prized, prized possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, George mentions risk 2210 AD with some of the expansions. Uh, it's the first game that he bought. And then he's, he feels sad that his family lost his childhood copy of hero quest. Oh, uh, no. Because that would have been the answer instead. But Risk yeah. 2210 AD is, is still pretty good. Okay. That's rough. Uh, Tom mentions his copy of Avalon Hill's Squad Leader. Worn, broken, masking tape holding it together. Awesome. But to the grave, it goes with him. So <laughs> I love that. Fantastic. Uh, David, David mentions his first edition copy of Rune Wars with the expansion. So the first edition is like where the board had the space for the mountains and stuff. With the coffin box. I, I wish I had a copy of that. That's amazing. Very nice. Yeah. Um, John mentions a signed copy of his Advanced Dungeons and Dragons player book from Gary Gygax. So that's pretty rare. So yeah, that, I, I would prize that as well. Like a signature there. Um, we have uh, AC Holt has a cool story. I just wanted to share this. It's kind of the last one here. So he got to play Concordia with Rodney Smith at a local convention. And then he later acquired the copy that they played with and had Rodney sign the inside of the box lid for him. So that was for him. Like, it's not just a memory. It's a, it's a game that he now has on his shelf, which is fantastic. Sure. Uh, For me personally, it's probably my copy of mice and mystics that I painted. Um, I picked that up when my kids were, well, before my daughter was born, my son was like a year or two old and I was like, I'm going to play with this with my kids some days. And I painted everything. I sealed it. It's all blinged out. And that's one of the very first board games I got as a gift, by the way, for my wife. And it's still on my shelf. I've played it with both the kids now. And it still comes out day to day. So um, for me, that's like I have a lot of big, expensive games, but that's the one I would never get rid of in a million years. Awesome. Yeah, I, I guess the cheap and easy answer is probably the super expensive answer, which is my Small World Super Deluxe yeah. <laughs> wooden crate version, which is not painted and will only become painted when I find an artisan of such quality and value that I can actually trust them to actually touch it. Uh, right. And I actually played Small World a lot with my family. That was one of the few games early on that they were you know game enough to play, and I appreciate that. So that would probably be the one that's probably closest because as a kid growing up, I remember there used to be a store called the Franklin Mint and it, and they used to have a cat. It was a catalog company. They used to have these really overdone exquisite kind of pieces of like memorabilia and collectibles. And then there was a time when they actually did board games. So they did think they did Scrabble clue, and I think Monopoly, I think I think it's those three. I don't know if there's another one to it. And it was these beautiful, like, wood enclosed boxes where it was like a table in some circumstances and glass. And all the pieces were incredibly blinged out. Everything was metal and just gorgeous. And I remember as a kid seeing those things and just being like, wow, this is a childhood game. But it's, it's the most fantastic thing in the world. But at the time, those, and obviously even still today, I mean, I think they were, they ran like, whew, I can't even remember, 250 350 for some some $100. And I was like, do I really want a copy of Monopoly that bad of that level? I'm like, nope. 
Uh, but I always did it. I, I did really like the clue version of it, which would seem pretty cool. But yeah, I, when, when small world came out in that big wooden crate, it just reminded me of my childhood and going, you know, this is incredibly expensive and insane to pick up and to back and all those things. But yeah, I, I, I wanted to own at least one of those things. I don't own any other kind of like really unique rail games not that I know of, at least not that I know of, but other than maybe some old RPG books that I've kept over the years just because they were really fun to read through. So, yeah, I think, again, a Grail game, especially in a, you know, a game that you love and the value of it is different for, for everybody, whether you get it played, whether it's like pristine condition or how you picked it up. I think my, my version of Coliseum that we picked up just randomly going through game stores and I found it on the shelf and it was out of print. And at the time they were like, this game from days of wonder will never be reprinted because there's some like legal dispute." And I picked it up for full MSRP. And back in the day, that was something you typically did not do because board game, you know, stores and online were giving very good prices. And I was like, I should get this and I love it. And then for a while it was a grail game. And then eventually I think it was Tasty Minstrel came out with another version. And I was like, I'm going to keep mine. And their version, I think, generally is thought of as worse. At least the art style and the production was a little bit downgraded. So I still hold on to that as another Grail game because I remember that was like a Grail find. Like when you go through a store and you and you you find the game that you're looking for, you're just so amazed that it's actually sitting on a shelf. Because these days you can find everything online except those little small game stores that happen to have something on there. So, yeah, a lot of great games. And uh, we definitely want to hear from you and let us know what you're really interested in getting to the table, especially if they are Grail games. So, as always, please hit us up on all our social medias because that's how we know more about your Grail games and we can talk about them more in the future. Uh, The question of the week happens each and every week on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, you can always respond on YouTube. This live podcast is actually being recorded and being posted on YouTube. So if you ever wanted to see what we look like, especially as Anthony packs away his collection and as I'm, I'm in my auxiliary correct collection, this is not the collection. This is kind of like the backup collection. <laughs> this is backup, like the games yeah. in the corner that like just ended up there for some reason or another. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for... Uh, Shouting out, everybody. Appreciate it. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with our listeners. Let's get on to the games that we want at the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right. Yeah, mine is pretty simple. It'll be relatively short because it was just Mm -hmm. announced, I think, yesterday, maybe the day before. Uh, And that is the Lost Ruins of Arnok Expedition Leaders, the first full printed expansion for this game. Uh, this is my one of my favorite games from last year. I continue to play it. I continue to play it solo. It's on Board Game Arena now. I've played it on there multiple times. There's a solo campaign that I've completed twice now. Uh, absolutely love this game. I'd probably continue to play it if I hadn't already packed it away for the move. It is in a box somewhere over here. <laughs> so um, I, I will not be playing it for the next month, unfortunately. But the expansion has literally everything I want in an expansion. One, no fifth player, because boo, boo, they're not doing that. Good, good on you. Um, Two, 
asymmetrical player powers. You play as one of six leaders, each equipped with a different skill set and unique play style to give you an edge in overcoming the island's challenges and dangers. That's a quote from them, but it's perfect. It tells you exactly what you need to know. Got unique player powers, unique player boards, and unique starting decks. That's awesome. I love that. I'm, that's the one thing I would have asked for, and they've done it. So uh, I'm, I'm already on board. Um, there is also alternative research tracks. So we have kind of some variety there for the research track, which is, is static on both sides of the board right now. And there's new items and artifact cards, because of course there are. Those decks are actually relatively small. Like if you play the game 20, 30 times, you know all the cards pretty well, and you know what's coming out. Uh, so honestly all i would ever ask for is the unique player powers and then they added some other stuff in there so i'm 1000 percent on board with this it's supposed to come out at essen in europe but they have specifically said united states it might be a little delayed because of the covid shipping situation which oh yeah i think at this point i think at this point we're all well aware of what that is so yeah um, <laughs> we'll get it eventually but it it's coming out this fall. I'm super excited for it. I will buy this as soon as I physically can. Uh, and that is Lost Ruins of Arnak Expedition Leaders. Yeah, I was really excited when I when I heard the news drop about this because this game seemed complete. Like it didn't really seem like anything else was going to come out of it. And CGE typically doesn't add a lot to their kind of big base games when they produce a game it's right. kind of done i mean even if you think about through the ages which has a leader's expansion that came out so many years later that was not right. a recent release like usually the way games are going these days you got the board you got the you got the main game and then the expansions come almost immediately maybe six months after so when they when they released this i was like what and then as you mentioned it's the different player powers <laughs> which I love in an expansion. I mean, that's really the thing I want I want most of all because I want some kind of asymmetrical gameplay if possible. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. This is great. I mean, again, it's a, it's a great game and to have an expansion this soon, wow, this is pretty fantastic. I wonder if it's going to be usable with the solo mode because I think that would be a lot of fun too. I mean, I don't know why not. Uh, you sure. know whether the balance is there or not it doesn't really matter because you're playing solo you're just playing it to have yeah, fun. yeah. Uh, some people might care i personally don't care when something imbalances the solo mode in the game i just want to play <laughs> like it's fun uh, i want to play solo but you're mode. right like I, exactly yeah but you're right like cge games they don't like they don't churn out expansions like even adrenaline that expansion came two or three years sure. later sanctum never got one uh through the ages that's like 10 years later uh, dungeon lords dungeon pets they didn't get expansions not that I, I can remember off the top of my head but yeah yeah so like this quickly and it's part of it i think it's because the game was such a big hit yeah uh, and, and yeah i'm just really excited for it so hopefully it gets here soon because i know the shipping situation right now is a nightmare so <sighs> We try not to cover super depressing news. We're talking about board games, but yeah, that, that could have been right. a whole segment talking about how shipping is going to get more expensive and take longer to get to us. So there, right. see, you made us do it. Now we got to talk about the depressing part of that. I don't know. I'm sorry. Do you want to talk about, do you want, do you want to talk about Loki now? Cause we could talk about Loki. That's, that's, that's kind of a fun topic. Shift gears, <laughs> spoilers ahead. <laughs> 
alternate timelines where you get board games on time and they're relatively inexpensive. <laughs> yeah. Variant erase. No. <laughs> well, clearly, clearly, I don't know if this is a sacred timeline or not, but you know, know. it is what it is. Speaking of uh, sacred timelines and sacred games and, and grail games, I, I can't believe I did not mention my grail game. So, as Anthony knows, one of my greatest grail games of all time is Defenders of the Realm. It is one of those unique games that kind of goes above and beyond the genre for me because I'm not a co-op fan. And while I do like the high fantasy stuff, it's not typically something I go to. So to have a game that utilizes a lot of the pandemic mechanisms and this old school kind of fantasy area, it's kind of surprising. But over the years... I've loved playing this game and I've collected as much as possible from this game. The only thing I did not collect, at least at this point, is the painted minis because the minis in this game are like old school bad. They're like just generic (laughs) blobs of plastic and Eagle Griffin Games has been good enough to paint them for you. So if you want to pay four or five bucks per mini that's painted, by all means do so. I don't personally care for the paint jobs. And it almost hurts me to look at them painted like that. Now, there is, of course, a longer story to all of this. And I won't go into the longer story, but the very short version of the longer story was, at one point, we were told by the company owner, or one of the company owners, that Defenders of the Realm was going to get a legacy mode. That there was going to be a Kickstarter, and Defenders of the Realm was going to get a completely redone, super blinged out, upgraded system where you would be playing this epic tale and then things would change like legacy systems typically do. And we waited and it never came out. It never came out. And there was just thoughts about it. And well, it turns out that they just recently sent out an email about a week ago. If you were, you know, connected to them in, in, in some way, and they have two new expansions that are coming out for the base game of defenders of the realm and a revised board. Now, this is good, but at first I was like, oh, that's really nice, but I will wait for the, the, you know, the Kickstarter expansion version of this. But in the email, and I think probably somewhere in the information, it makes a note that Richard Lanius, the creator of Defenders of the Realm, was uh, obviously, they must have had some sort of conversation or some sort of decision. And, the, you know, the fact that they did not decide to come out with a full thematic re-release here. So what they ended up deciding to do is they are not releasing the Kickstarter legacy version of this. This will be it. This will be the final expansions to the game and it will not get any kind of redone, redux, I guess at least unless something radically changes in the future or they get purchased or something of that nature. This will conclude this series. So if you've never played Defenders of the Realm, this is a really good time to pick it up. If you've played it and enjoyed it, this is probably a really good expansion for you. So let me let me start off with the boring stuff first. There's a revised board. Now, if you played Defenders of the Realm on the board, I've never had a problem with the board, but some of the colors didn't necessarily match up with some of the cards or how they played out. And there was some challenges as far as where the troops move. So there's... so instead of having an overly elaborate, beautiful board, 
they've made it more practical. So now the locations are easy to read. There's arrows on the road where the troops will, will kind of march. And just the images are just clearer. So there's a revised board in there. In addition to the revised board, as I mentioned, there's two more expansions. There's uh, companions and catacombs. So what this expansion allows you to do is, in fact, add companions to your hero's team. So if you've never played Defenders of the Realm, what you're doing is you're playing a co-op game where you're one of these fantasy characters. There's a lot of different fantasy characters that you can play in this game. And this kind of expansion allows you to add additional companions that will give you special abilities and powers throughout the game. And as you're kind of pulling from this deck to get these companions to add to your campaign, events might be triggered. If events are triggered, then you're dealing with, you know, situations that are dangerous for you and for all of your companions, not to mention the other players in the game itself. So this is really where the catacombs come into play because some of the events are bad, but there are also opportunities to gain treasures because you'll be able to actually run a dungeon through a number of cards in which you have to defeat the different baddies and the different situations in the dungeons and defeat the kind of the main boss there. And you'll be able to pick up relics that will help you in your campaign. So it's almost like a side quest. So we talked about Rune Wars before where there were situations where you'd be playing the game and then your hero would do a hero thing. That's pretty much it. Your hero's out there, but now you could have a separate adventure. This is one of the things I really loved about Defenders of the Realm was it allowed you to play a game where you felt like you were really the hero. It played up the stats. It played up the character. And there wasn't that alpha game a problem. And here it allows you to go on a quick separate adventure to kind of um, do some fun stuff. In addition to that, there's another expansion called the Hero's Colon expansion. Now, what this allows you to do is allows you to build up your character different traits. So combat, control, movement, you'll actually be able to make a unique character in this game. And there's over 30 character cards in the game, and there's different companion cards. There's a lot of ways to build your character up. So I personally have all the different player boards, and I love it. I really do. I love all the different you know, old school traditional characters in the game. This allows you to build a character from scratch, which is pretty fantastic. So right now you could pick up these three expansions. I think it's for about 44 bucks. I already backed it myself. It's currently on a quasi Kickstarter kind of thing. Um, it's crowdox.com. That's where they're running this kind of like, you know, how would you say crowd campaign kind of thing. But if you don't have Defenders of the Realm, and you're thinking about maybe picking it up and picking up all the stuff all at once, you can actually go onto the campaign and pick up everything all at once for a pretty good discount. So that is Defenders of the Realm and all of its new expansions. And unfortunately, I guess we're going to say adieu to it never getting its full reboot, um, unless I somehow get a ridiculous amount of money and then, you know, kidnap R Richard Lanius and go, we need to do it better. So make it a grill game. You know, so uh, who knows? That might happen in the future. But until then, new expansions. Uh, that's a shame. Yeah, I was really yeah. excited for the, the update of it because I owned a copy of this for a while. Yeah. And the production quality of it really just kept me from bringing it to the table. Like, I yeah, liked the game. I didn't I yeah. didn't love it as much as you. But the couple times I brought it out, people were like, 
what is this? It's old. It's it's weird, like <laughs> pandemic, but there's dice and everything's kind of ugly. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so um, I don't own it anymore, but I was always like holding out hope they would relaunch it. And it'd be like this new 2.0, amazing, beautiful edition. And it's sad to hear that's not going to happen. It's true. So yes, I, I'm the last Stewart of this kingdom, so to speak. But uh, yeah, check it out. All right, so that's the games that we want to hit the table and our expansions that we want to hit the table before they no longer hit the table. Uh, Anthony, let's talk about the team, the games that did hit the table. We'll let people know if they should run out and pick those games up because they are a buy. If they should sit down at the table and play them because they're a play. If those games are a dodge, they should avoid them at all costs. Or if those games are burned because not only are they not grail, they are really like fool's gold because they are not worth the money that they look to be. So what do you have up this week? All right. So a friend of mine uh, managed to get a copy of Micro Macro Crime City. Ooh. This is the Spielweiss Pegasus Spiel. I don't know. There's like five different <laughs> publishers on this, but it was nominated for the Spiel this year's. And I mm-hmm. was not one of the people early on who was like, woo, Micro Macro. Uh, I was. So I, I, I know you were. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but I was not on board. Um, and so I missed out on it and it was not available. It's still not available. It's very expensive. It's hard to find, but a friend did get like one of the three copies that came into the local store and we got a chance to play like the first four or five of the cases that come in the game. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'd give a quick rundown of it. It's not a comprehensive review because we did not do all 16 and the ones we did were mildly easy, uh, sure. but we got a good sense of the mechanics and how it works. So, Basically, how this game works is you have a map or a picture or whatever you want to call it that is like almost three feet by almost four feet. It's massive. It's a big, unfoldable thing. It comes in the box. It's all in black and white, but it's this isometric city with thousands of things going on in it. You know, there's different characters and they're all unique and they're easy to track across the, 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 the map. And... All of this stuff represents different elements in these various cases that are going to come in the box, right? So each of the cases, you're going to open them up, you're going to run through the cards, and it's going to say, hey, this is a thing that happened, find where it happened. Okay, now where did they go? Okay, now what did they do when they got there? Okay, how did they get away? You know, and I'm being really vague because I don't want to like ruin any of the cases in the game because once you solve them, you've solved them and it's over. But that's kind of what you're doing, right? So maybe you start out and they're like, find the coffee shop where, you know, on the east side of the map, right? And that's none of the ones I did. So if that happens to be one of the later ones, I'm sorry, but that's none of the ones I did. Um, And so you look around the east side of the map and you find the coffee shop and you say, okay, it's on H2 because it's all on a grid. Mm -hmm. And the card will tell you, you're like, okay, it's H2. The person reading the cards will flip it over and they're like, yep, it's H2. And you continue to the next card. And it'll be like, oh, okay, so somebody at the coffee shop stole a briefcase from someone else at the coffee shop. Where did they go? And so you look at the coffee shop and you try to find the character with the briefcase. Then you find the person who took the briefcase. And then it, it's hard to describe, but basically there's going to be different pictures of those characters throughout the map, like as a, like a different points in the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. So everything's happening all at once on this giant map. But if you follow it sequentially, like you trace your finger, it, you know, it happens and changes along the way. So you can see the course of the crime as it goes. 
So each of these cards is going to give you a clue or a direction or something to work with. And you kind of follow it along and you try to figure out what's going on, whether, you know, how did they get away in the crime? Where did they bury the loot? Where did they bury the body? Where did they, you know, take the kitten that they took? Whatever it is, you know, whatever the different crime happens to be. Sure. And that's basically it. That's the whole game. And if you solve it and you get through all the cards and you're like, yep, you found it. The end, you beat that particular case. Uh, the first case in the game took us five minutes. The second case took us 10 minutes. The third case took us 15 minutes. So they definitely like scale up. Uh, we accidentally traced one of the cases to a different case. And it was fascinating and hilarious to like, we're going along we're like, oh my God, he murdered her. And then we found <laughs> out like, nope, that's a different case. That's that's not at all what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> so um it was a lot of fun. I don't, it, it's a funny thing because it, it is a game, but at the same time, it didn't really feel like a game. It felt like more like a group activity because we're all just kind of leaning over the table, looking at the map, tracing things along with our finger and, and trying to figure things out. Um, it gave me a similar vibe to like the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective games, but more boisterous. Like every, you have to stand up. You can't sit down and play this game. Everybody stands up. They look down at the table. They're looking around. Um, there's only like the one magnifying glass that comes with the game. So people are using their phones and like zooming in with that because it is like pretty <laughs> tiny print on the map. Uh, but it was fun. I had a lot of fun with it. I can see why this was nominated uh, for the Spiel des Jahres. I, you know, the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective won the Spiel des Jahres back in the 70s. So they clearly like this kind of game, uh, the deduction game. And it's a clever, unique take on it where they could release endless maps endless cases it's relatively inexpensive this could become the new escape room type of thing where we see a new one of these every six months constantly uh if enough people buy them so i i think it's fun i think it's interesting i'm excited to see more of it i look forward to being able to find a copy of this inexpensively so i can play it with my family because i think the kids and my wife would enjoy it uh, but at the moment it's hard to find so i would not kill yourself to track it down <laughs> because it it is a relatively simple game. There's not a lot of stuff in the box. But when you do see it, or if you get a chance to play it with other people who pick it up, I recommend it. So it's Micro Macro Crime City. Would you go as far as to give it a buy if it wasn't crazy expensive at the moment because it's kind of out of print? I Yeah, like in the same way I'd give like the Exit Games a buy, which I did give a buy back in the day. Sure. Yes, it, at retail price, when it's available and you have the group to play it with, yes. Mm -hmm. I would not play it solo. I would not pay more than retail price for it because sure. it is consumable. Like every, yes. when you finish a case, you're done. You know where everything is. It's it's not like, it's like a Where's Waldo. Like once you finish a Where's Waldo, you're like, well, I know where Waldo is now. I don't have to look for him <laughs> anymore. It's right there, right? <laughs> That's what this is. You know where the case ends. You could skip ahead and be done. So you could never play it again. Sure. Um, maybe wait a few years. I don't know. So it becomes like an unlock or an exit type of thing. Mm -hmm. And if those bothered you, the whole idea of a consumable game where you finish it and you're done and you pass it on to another player, maybe you don't want to pick it up. But those don't bother me. I like it. You play it, you finish it, you pass it along. Someone else plays it and finishes it and passes it along. Um, and I hope they just release more content for it, which I think they will at this point because it is a Spiel nominee. It is out of print. It is very popular. So... Yeah, for like 25 bucks, I would say definitely pick it up. So speaking of which, 
Micro Macro Crime City Full House will be available August 2021. There you go. They're already on it. Done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, From your mouth to God's ears. Uh, So yeah, there'll be more of this, although the base game, I think, has been out of print for a little while. So obviously they did not think they would get the kind of reaction. It's interesting. Like, obviously it's one of those games where it's like, oh, it's Where's Waldo? Damn it, why didn't I produce that game? But if you look at the actual, you know, city... It, it is actually a really interesting idea that imagine, again, talking about, I, un, <laughs> unintentionally talking about Loki, imagine all the timelines happening all at once in yep. a print <laughs> and then being able to track the different timelines and variances as, as they kind of split off. And that's kind of genius. So, yep. yeah, that's that's kind of a thing. So... I'm always kind of a little iffy with the disposable games. I have some of them and the other ones I just would not pick up because of the disposable nature of it, because I don't know if I would get that particular game back at the table, but this is certainly something that everyone can play. This is something that you could put out for your whole family. And again, there's some little tiny things that may not be kid friendly, but I, I think again, it's one of those situations, but depending on the group, you have a large group, you have a party situation, you just unfold this and go, let's play this. And no one, there's no rules, right? Just find the things. So it's a, it's an interesting concept. And I really appreciate that they, uh, they did such a good job with it. They didn't, they didn't do anything. There's nothing cheap about the game, so to speak. Nope. No, it's speaking yeah, about <laughs> games being a little cheaper <laughs> than they should be. Nice. Uh, Segway. Not in time. Yeah, okay. I knew I knew where you were going with that too. Like if, <laughs> when you said the word cheap, I'm like, oh, we're on to the next review then. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Terraforming Mars. Um, Anthony and I have a long history of Terraforming Mars. Um, in particular, because I think I I think I was either number one or number two who picked up the first copies at Gen Con way back in the day. I picked up one for me and Anthony at like an exorbitant price way back in the day. And that game like <laughs> literally started to degrade as it was in our presence just because of the component and the box quality. Remember the box used to kind of like fold in on of itself and we're just like, we haven't it, even played is, the game yet. Mine is, mine's like this. <laughs> I still have that original box. It's like, whoop. To be fair, that you you do have the Mars Crater version. I, I guess that's what we'll, yeah. we'll rebrand those <laughs> things. So Anthony and I have first edition versions of Terraforming Mars and Anthony and I love Terraforming Mars. I don't want to... Speak to speak for you, Anthony, but I, I think we're agreeable to that. That these these right. games are definitely, uh, I think, in our top ten or around that. Now, the expansions have been a mixed bag: some good, some bad, some problematic. Yada yada yada. Uh, you know, Stronghold Games, as far as their price is concerned, historically have also been bad, especially considering the component quality and the production. Typically, because historically, Stronghold, which is get a game and just produce it as it was. It wasn't really kind of like renovating the game or, you know, bring it up like Tasty Minstrel did back in the day. So if you don't know Terraforming Mars, I'm surprised you're listening, but I'm so glad that you are. Basically it's about corporations going to Mars, terraforming it, changing the landscape like fundamentally so that humans could live on it, doing a number of different activities by the use of these cards in order to build forests, to build oceans, 
uh, raise the temperature and allow it to be habitable for the human race. It's a really, it's, it's a game changer. I mean, it's hate to kind of overuse that term, but really it is. Terraforming Mars was one of those games that just did everything. It just did everything and it did everything right with the exception of the production quality, which had a, a lot of different issues on it. So recently they had a Kickstarter for Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. The Kickstarter was interesting because they kind of like copped really early on to the fact that you will be able to get this game cheaper later. Now they did not explain how and why and they they meant the things that they said, but if you did back it on the Kickstarter, you would get a slightly better production because the boards would be double, you know, a little bit of an additional depth so you can when you move the cubes, they wouldn't fly away like they did in the first edition. And there would be some additional promo cards. So you had to make that decision. Was it worth the additional money to pay full MSRP and the shipping for the difference of the cards and the the very few upgrade features? I, as a lover of Terraforming Mars, did not feel that way. So I did not back this Kickstarter. Did you back the Kickstarter, Anthony? I did not. No. Yeah. And again, I think in part because there was a burnout feature as far as there was so much content coming out for Terraforming Mars, all the expansions, the 3D version of it, it really just, it escalated to the point where you had so much content, which typically is a very good thing. But with Terraforming Mars, there was never a definitive edition where they kind of like really brought down the cards and the mechanics to something that was essential, like like Stonemaier Games did, like with their Viticulture. Like this is the best version we took out the bad cards. We, we we balanced it. It's great. They never did that. They just kind of threw more stuff in. And eventually you had like a deck of cards that was so high that sometimes you never got to anything that you really needed. So when they came out with Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, initially I was like, oh, cool, another expansion. I don't want this. But really what this was was a standalone game that was based upon the mechanics from Race for the Galaxy. Now, again, if you don't know what Race for the Galaxy is, so cool that you're listening, but let me explain it to you ever so briefly. So Race for the Galaxy is about a race to develop the galaxy and all these victory points that can be accumulated by settling planets, particularly developing technologies and such. It's a classic traditional card gate based game that has been such a standard that's been utilized in a lot of different ways. So Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition utilizes this very tried and true process where on your turn you decide between a number of different actions and in this game there are five different actions development construction action production and research and you decide what action you want to do and you place that down secretly so does everybody else you flip the cards over and based upon what's available that's what everyone can be able to do with the addition of a bonus that if you place that particular card, you'll get to do something in addition. So if you play Terraforming Mars, you know that there's green cards, right? So if you play the development card, then you'll be able to play a green project card. There's additional bonuses for that, but that's not really that necessary. If you play the construction card, then you'll be able to put out a blue card out there. If you play the action card, you'll be able to activate the action card, which is typically the blue card there. 
if you are playing the production card, then you'll be able to produce, right? So Terraforming Mars had this really kind of cool thing where it tracked what your production level was, but your production level also produced different things as far as heat and cash and I guess forest, right? That you were able to put into the game. So that's the production. And then there's a research action, which just basically allows you to draw additional cards. So as I said, there's a bonus if you play the card. If people play the same card, then you only get that action in that round. So depending on the player count, there could be situations where only one or two actions actually take you know part. But if that's what you really need, that's what you really need. In Terraform Mars, you had to track money, you had to track... Uh, heat plants but you also had to track titanium and i think it was steel also in this game that's also kind of true but steel and titanium stays at a production level that does not get spent so all of these resources are necessary because you have to purchase and build the cards building the cards allows you to gain points allows you to terraform and in this version it's a very tiny board and basically, all you're really doing is creating the oceans here on Mars. When you create the oceans, you flip over the ocean and you get the bonus. In the big version, there's a lot of different things that you do. This version is the slimmed down, simpler version. It's streamlined in every way possible. The production is better as far as the card art is concerned. So if you ever played Terraforming Mars, they literally threw every piece of art that they could get for free on those cards. And it looks terrible because there's no consistency to it and it's bad. This is one art style throughout. The graphic design is much more improved. The board itself is small and problematically small. Your board is not too bad. It's actually much better than the board you had in original Terraforming Mars. Now, here comes to the cheat part. Remember when I talked about Kickstarter having its own thing? Well, turns out that they sold this game to Target. So if you have a local Target Superstore, you can actually purchase this game, again, based upon whatever Target's prices happen to be, and and purchase a, I, I don't want to say lesser version, because everything is the same, except the double-sided, I don't want to say double-sided, but like indented boards where the where your production might move around. And the additional promo cards that you would have gotten from the expansion. I think there might be one or two other minor kind of addition, uh, differences here. But primarily, you can get the game cheaper and right now where I think backers are only starting to get it. And in fact, there's been a huge backlash. People have been very upset that they paid more for the game and got it later. The whole idea of Kickstarter is you're supposed to be funding projects that could not get funded otherwise, but we already know that that's no longer a thing. That hasn't been a thing for a very long time. So pick this up in Target. Pick this up because, you know, at your local friendly game store when they eventually get it or pick it up online at discount. Or maybe you backed it via Kickstarter. You'll get it soon or already have it at this point. Terraform Mars Ares Expedition. I love Terraforming Mars. I love Race for the Galaxy. This is literally the Race for the Galaxy version of Terraforming Mars, but it's a better graphic design, better artwork, quicker to play, doesn't allow like hours and hours of, you know, endless kind of play where you're waiting for someone to terraform. And it still has a lot of the great Terraforming Mars aspects to it as far as the chaining of the cards, the terraforming of, of 
of Mars. The terraforming obviously is less because the board is so much smaller. But this game really works for me. And it gets a buy for me because I love terraforming Mars. I have a good chunk of it. But if I want to get to the table these days, I'm going to probably pick this version of it, to be honest with you, because there is so much problems with the expansions and the length of the game and the challenges that go along with it that it's either, am I playing this version or am I playing Terraforming Mars with maybe the Prelude Edition and nothing else just because the length of the game and the, you know, is someone terraforming? What rules are we playing with? And I just, honestly, I'd rather play this version. And it kind of kills me because the other Super Edition came out with the beautiful pieces and I didn't back that either because the game was just so long that adding more components to like place on the board just it was just too much it was just too much this is the solution to too much this is just enough but you do have to understand less terraforming less board play so you know and the player count is going to determine sometimes the amount of actions that you can play in the game. If you love Race for the Galaxy, you'll love this. If you love Terraforming Mars, you'll love this. Uh, if you're looking to get involved in Terraforming Mars, play this. Don't buy the base game. Please, play something that's more manageable and reasonable. And if you love this, then go out and pick up the base game and pick up Prelude, and then it's up to you what you pick up after that. I wash <laughs> my hands of those expansions. I'm not... Prelude's awesome. The other ones are oh, eh, but we'll we'll get back to that another day. So, Anthony, I know you're a huge fan. What you know? I don't know. Are you going to pick up the Target version? Are you going to wait for the Kickstarter version to hit the market? What are you thinking? I have already picked <gasps> up the Target version. So he did <laughs> it, folks. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I have it. I picked it up. It's thirty bucks, so I was like, might as well because I didn't spend the <laughs> fifty or sixty or whatever stupid number it was on Kickstarter. Um, and if the game's good, great, and maybe I'll track down a better looking version of the game. But if the game's not good, I only spent thirty bucks. So I'm I'm really excited to hear now that you liked it because I've only seen people complaining about it, probably because of the Kickstarter issue. Uh, so I have yeah. no good sense of whether the game was good. And now I'm excited to play because I was like, I'm going to buy it anyways because I like all things Terraforming Mars, but I'm less excited. But now I'm more excited. <laughs> so. We could do a whole episode on, and I'm, I know a lot of people have, and you and I have talked about this over the last eight years, whether or not it's fair that the backers of the Kickstarter don't get the games first. And right. I will, I can go on hours about that. Um Short answer, I don't think it's fair. But what we're dealing with here is what we've been dealing with for a very long time. And I don't know. Like I said, this is a, a long, long, long conversation, so to speak. I think it's just a long conversation. <laughs> we'll save it to another time. It's a great game. You should play it. Again, I would love to have the double indented board. And I would love to have the promo cards, but honestly, the Kickstarter was just was just a step too far as far as cost is concerned. So I'm really glad this is mass market. I hate to say that, but people need to play this game. It's a great game from great designers, and they did a great job with it. And I have nothing really bad to say other than it has a 6.1 rating on Board Game Geek, but that's primarily because 
I read through the comments. People are mad. And they have a right to be mad. I'm not saying that they don't have the right to be mad. But the game is better than people's anger towards it. So don't let the rating fool you. It is a much better game. I actually like it better than Race Race for the Galaxy. I know that's heresy in some circles. But Race for the Galaxy has some really complicated iconography where you have right. to like buy yeah. and trade and sell. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I just want to <laughs> play the game. So you can right. also play this solo. You can also play this co-op. Those versions honestly aren't as good. But as far as the game's concerned, it's a good game. So I would definitely um, recommend picking it up. Awesome. I'm excited. All right, folks. So that's the games that are hitting the table this week. Again, check them out and see if they're for you. All right, Anthony. So let's get on to our feature review. Our feature review this week will be Board Game Geeks Hotness for July 2021. Obviously, gaming is getting back out there in the atmosphere and the games are getting better and better and games are starting to hit the market and, and starting to kind of hit Board Game Geek because the conventions will be hitting in around September. So right now is a really good time to talk about all the new games that are hitting uh, the table and the tablet. And in particular, I don't want to spoil anything for you, Anthony, but like one really interesting uh, you know, thing that hit Board Game Geek recently too, maybe something Gloomhaven related. So with that said, I will leave the list up to you, my friend. All right. Yeah, we will get to that one. Uh, possibly at the end of this list. <laughs> it's a variant. It's more Loki content that oh, you never no. asked for. <laughs> oh, it's almost like we planned it, but we didn't. No, we did not plan it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, speaking of variants, number 15 on the list, Terraforming Mars. Uh, this is the original. Of course, we were talking about the variant before. You just reviewed it. Yes. Uh, this is on so the list variants. because it's almost it's so many variants. Uh, yeah. They just shipped the package of all the bonuses, and then Ares Expedition, you know, obviously is is out at Target now, so people are looking at the base game. Uh, nothing new or interesting going on with Terraforming Mars, other than all of the new and interesting things going on with Terraforming Mars. <laughs> so, uh, but the base game remains the base game. No new expansions that I'm aware of on the horizon yet. Number 14, Destinies. This is a game from Lucky Duck Games in conjunction with uh Grimspire and last level and uh the folks who made the joan of arc game so mm -hmm. this is not the joan of arc game because that is a big miniatures based game but it mm -hmm. is kind of based in that world and it's storytelling and tile placement and dice rolling and all the things you'd expect in an adventure game but really focused on the story driven elements of it and it uses an app so we kind of previewed this at a convention I would imagine three years ago now. I don't remember because of COVID brain, but it was a while ago. Uh, and they were very big on the story-driven element of it. So I'm excited to play it. It is at my local store and a lot of people are getting it. Hopefully I can land a copy of it after my move and get a chance to try it out. But it's like an RPG as a board game supported by an app with <laughs> open-ended different things. No game master needed. I don't know. It's... It's hard to describe, but it sounds really interesting for, for people mm -hmm. who like storytelling games, because that's that's what it is. Uh, number 13 is a game that is now in my possession. I got my copy in the mail about a week ago, and that is Oath Chronicles of Empire and Exile, the new game from Cole Worley and Leader Games. So this is a game for one to six players. Uh, big player range here. 
uh, has the artwork from Kyle Farron that you know from Root, but a very different type of game. Um, open, area, majority, influence, card drafting, all these different types of mechanics mixed in. And then it has this concept where the game can carry over from game to game, but it's not quite a legacy game. Other people can drop in and out of the game as the world evolves. So I have not played my copy yet. I cannot tell you what I think, but I'm very excited. And as the reviews come out, I get more and more excited because everybody's like all about this. So I'm hoping I get a chance to play before I move um, with the people here in Pittsburgh. But uh, yeah, it's on my shelf, ready to go. Number 12, Arkham Horror, the card game. Almost always up here for one reason or another. Uh, there are new versions of this coming out in the future. So I believe a, a kind of an updated second edition core set is coming. And then there's also the next kind of story-driven box, like the the revisit for the Circle Undone, which has started to release. So uh, just new content in general. I think they're generally done with the packs because they're switching over to the bigger expansions once a year model. But lots of content coming out in the near future for Arkham LCG, regardless of that. So lots of people talking about that. Uh, next on the list here, we have Great Western Trail. And this is on the list because the new edition of it uh, is coming out from Eggert Spiel and Plan B Games this uh, summer. Um, it's a, I guess it's technically a Gen Con release, but nothing's really a Gen Con release anymore because Gen, Gen Con's in September and everything's like a weird summer release and shipping is all messed up. But uh, it's an updated, slightly modernized version of the 2016 release for 2021. Um, all of the like expansion type stuff or new additions. So like the Argentina edition of the game and the uh, New Zealand edition of the game, those are still far off. This does not come with the expansion either, which we didn't really like. So we're okay with that, but it's not in this box. So it's really just like an updated, modernized, you know, prettier looking version of the game for the fifth anniversary. Uh, next on the list, we have wild ascent. This one is, um, I, I was like trying to look up information about this. There's not a ton of it. It, it seems to be a skirmish style gladiatorial like miniatures game for one to four players. Um, so it's got a solo mode, a PVP mode and a cooperative mode. And it will be on Kickstarter naturally <laughs> like all these games or maybe it already was. I don't I uh, this, this is how much I don't know about this game apparently. Um, but big miniatures doing lots of cool stuff in a fantasy world. So that's what we're dealing with there. Uh, next on the list, we have Imperium Classics. So this is a game that we've talked about a little bit in the past. Um, David Turchi is involved, along with Nigel Buckle. It's from Osprey Games. There are two versions of this, too. There's Imperium Classics and Imperium Legends. I actually have a copy of Legends that I apparently pre-ordered a long time ago, forgot about. Um, have not had a chance to play it yet. But the idea is you are representing one of these great civilizations. Um, so in classics, you are one of several like known civilizations. So Carthage, the Celts, Greeks, Macedonia, Persia, Romans, Scythia, Viking civilization, all those. And you are kind of building your deck and going through, you know, it's a card driven game. Everything in the game is card driven. Um, legends, of course, you're playing more like legendary takes of those, like the Arthurian chord, that kind of stuff. Uh, Looks super cool. I'm very excited about it. Just haven't had a chance to play it yet. Dune Imperium is next on the list. Uh, this has been on the list 
pretty much since it released. Uh, it's been like it's jumped way up in the ranking. It's number 53 overall on the top 100, number 13 under thematic, 32 in strategic. I have played it solo and as two players, and I thought it was fine. I didn't review it here because I've not played it at the optimal player counts of three and four. So I'm not going to say it's good or bad, but my own personal take on this game, my rating that I have tentatively on BoardGameGeek is a 7.5. So it's fine. I don't know. Um, I think it came out at the same time for me as Lost Ruins of Arnak, which is also a deck-driven, like a deck-builder worker placement game, which I liked way more, but I think that game lends itself more to lower player counts. So um, if you're a big Dune fan, if you're a big deck-building type of game fan, if you like Clank a lot, because it's the same guys who make Clank, um, Dune Imperium is very popular. A lot of people really love it. Uh, and, you know, that's why it's up here on the list and generally stays up here. Uh, next on the list is a game that's currently on Kickstarter, and I might talk about it a little bit later next week because I'm kind of gathering some information on it. And that is Coalitions. This is the new game from Phalanx, and Phalanx uh, they do a lot of like war style two player uh, type of games. Um, they do publish stuff in Europe as well, but like their original games, like recently, include things like Hannibal and Hamilcar, um, Succession, which has not shipped yet. And they're just like highly, highly produced, beautiful versions of classic war style games um, that would normally have been like little blocks with stickers on them, which are still fun, but maybe not as pretty to look at. You know, now they introduce miniatures and all that cool stuff. So this is a war game similar to all those other things I talked about taking place in the revolutionary Napoleonic Wars, but it focuses on the negotiation aspect of that. So it's a diplomacy style game in the Napoleonic Wars, not just a pew, pew, pew type of game, right? Uh, and I'm really interested in see how that works. I don't know if I want to back it or not, because if it doesn't work, it's not going to work. But if it does work, it'll be very unique because there are not a lot of games that pull this off effectively. Like diplomacy within a war game is really difficult to do because war games are all about balance, right? You need the push and pull, a tug of war within the different you know, contingents and factions of a game. And if it comes down to like how two people argue with each other, it's just going to go to the person who argues better. Right. So I'm interested to see how the game works. Uh, I might back it anyway. So, cause it looks really cool. Uh, next up we have the Goonies never say die. Uh, this is a game from Prospero hall Funko games. So we had a Goonies game a few years ago. I gave it like a really middling play. It was fine. It was a cooperative game that it worked, but it wasn't, I don't know, like three, four plays in, I got bored and I didn't want to play anymore. Um, first play was fun. This one is a one versus many game where you have one person being the Goondocks master. Which I don't know what that is, but you represent all the, the bad guys in the Goonies. So the Fratellis, One-Eyed Willie, the pirate. Um, and then the everybody else takes on the actual Goonies role. So Mikey, Mouth, Chunk, Data, Sloth, you know, the characters you lo know and love. Uh, and you're just kind of going through this adventure-style scenario-based game and facing off against each other. So there's nine adventures, I think, in the game. Um, I would imagine this will show up in Target at some point because that's where Funko games tend to be. And I'm interested. I don't know that I have anybody to play it with, but... I'm interested in it because I love the Goonies. I wanted that other game to be better. So I'm certainly hoping it's good. Um, 
Next up, and uh, we're at number five now on the list, is Free Ride from Friedman Freeze. So this is the newest uh, F-based game from Friedman Freeze. And, and in German, which I'm sure I'm butchering this, it's Free Fart. And I'm, I'm probably saying that wrong because there's no way it's fart. But <laughs> it's F-A-H-R-T. But, you know, all of these games start with Fs. So it's not Free Ride, you know. The R is not there on purpose. It's supposed to be an F. Um, but is a transportation-based, train-based game um, where you are building these different travel routes and moving around, picking things up, dropping them off. Friedman Freeze has probably one of the best-known like route-building style games out there when Power Grid, uh, where you're like building your different routes of Power Grids. And he doesn't revisit that mechanic very often. So him build, releasing another big board you know network creation net route building game through rio ground games uh here in the u.s i'm excited i think that'll be cool power grid's one of my favorite games so uh and i say that knowing that a lot of freeman freeze's games don't really click with me so i'm hoping this one does because you know he, he makes good stuff um next up we got lost ruins of arnak we've talked about this a ton this game's amazing. It jumped into my top 20 games of all time after I played it a few times last year and will probably remain up there in my next list this coming year. Uh, it's on Board Game Arena. It has a solo campaign now that's been released. It is nominated for the Kennerspiel this year's. Uh, it, this thing is everywhere. So um, first-time designers, Min and Elwin just knocked it out of the park. CGE Games has a big hit here, which of course means number three on the list Lost Ruins of Arnak Expedition Leaders. That's why that's here. That's the expansion um, that I talked about earlier today. So we don't have to dive too much into that, but super excited for that coming this fall. Uh, number two, uh, this is the game, of course, that Chris, you talked about today as you're at the table. This is Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. And it's up here because people are generally just talking about the target release. The Kickstarter has not shipped yet. So people are either complaining or having played and talked about it. So we'll, we'll kind of see where this game lands in the end. Um, you talked about that 6.1 rating and it's interesting to me because I actually played barrage this last weekend. And that's a game that when it originally shipped, it had like a 6.2 rating. And I was like, wow, is it that bad? And it wasn't, it was people from the Kickstarter being just really, really upset about how poorly the Kickstarter was run. And it was, it was terrible. Like my component quality now, even with the upgrades is still terrible. But now it's like an 8.2 and it's in the top 100 because eventually it balances out with people who just play the game and don't didn't pay for it, right? Um, so we'll see where Ares Expedition lands. I'm not saying it'll be like an 8.2, but I'm sure a 6.1 is not accurate either. And then last but not least, Chris, you kind of sizzled this one, you know, 10 minutes ago. Gloom Holden is a one to two player game um, from community member Joel Klipfell. It is an 18 card version of Gloomhaven. No table required. You play it all in one hand. It's like Palm Island or, or some of those other like uh, button shy type of games where you have a small deck of 18 cards and you somehow capture all of Gloomhaven or maybe not all of, but like a small chunk of Gloomhaven and you fight some enemies and, and building up some stuff and doing it just in your palm of your hand. Uh, I really hope Isaac sees this and it's like, wow, that's cool. I should make that and print it and publish it and push it out. You know, like 
pull a Jamie Stegmeyer, share this with the world because it looks really cool, but I'm not going to print and play it because I'm lazy. So um, looking, looking really interesting. I love when I see this stuff pop up. Yeah, absolutely. He gave a, I guess, disclaimer on board Game Geek uh, that the company itself had gave him permission to put this oh, up good. there as a downloadable and to use the artwork and the graphic design and such. So there's no, there's no, at least at this point, there's no word as far as if this will be produced, you know, the 18 card. I'm not a print and play guy myself. It's just, it's just too much of a thing. And and I'm at the point where I love games so much. If they're not the best quality, I'm like, ah, no, I can't. No, I, I you know, but <laughs> Right. I, I, I can imagine this coming out. I can't imagine it not coming out because it's one of those things where it's like what happened with Scythe, right? The dad made the right. version for his daughter. And I know the I know that that game went off like really well, especially with the expansion. I think it was a pie in the sky was the expansion for. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I think there's 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 an industry for this, a very small industry where just gamers love their games so much that they're just like, let's, let's create a version of this that I can play or that I'm really comfortable with. And I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I mean, what the guys, I mean, it's so brilliant. I mean, again, utilizing that kind of idea of like someone loves scythe so much. They want to make a little version for their daughter, my little scythe. Right. So we should all clearly be doing this now, right? <laughs> if you have that Uber intelligence, yes, you should be doing this because yeah, this is fantastic. So yeah, I I feel like we're getting close to a top ten list of like a fan created a thing and then they made it right because we've got like the expansion for sure. Caverna, the 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 Forgotten Folk. We've got Scythe has two right because there's My Little Scythe plus the the airships was a fan expansion as well. That's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. That was a the the wind gambit that was something yep, that they exactly. kind of they kind of put in there and i think there's a lot more too there's a, there's a lot of those that are just kind of but it's 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 wonderful to see that the person receiving the the accolades that that he deserves so fantastic all right everyone so that's everything for this week until next time this is chris hey and this is anthony and we'll save you all a seat at the table take care everyone Bye.